This is Owen Tinder Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Owen Tinder Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream mini-series pod on our favourite football things. I am joined by Ruth. Hello Ruth, how are you? Hello, we are still in a very wet and rainy Washington state. Um, we are going to be talking today about our favourite footballing moment and our favourite non-footballing moment from a sporting event. I don't think we've worded that very well, um, but that is what we are going to be looking at. So, Ruth, why don't we start with you? Right. You keep adding sort of favourite in front of everything, and obviously my notes are going are going off in a, diff- a different direction. Um, this feels like it's kind of our silo for stuff that we want to talk about that doesn't quite fit into the other topics that we've come up with. Agreed. Um, footballing moment, I, I think for anyone who um, the events around Hillsborough are, are always going to haunt people. Um, and I think it's really hard to think of a moment in my sort of footballing journey that where you don't have that as a hinge and a pivot point in in your in your your view of of football um but trying to think about something far 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 more positive um i i'm going back again to the mid 80s shocker <laughs> i know i'm become, i'm becoming a cliche um and i'm i actually uh wanted to talk about banger fc playing Atletico in the second round of the what was then the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, and in the end, um, Bangor lost uh, 3-0. They lost 2-0 at, at home and, and 1-0 away in Madrid. But what I actually remember of it primarily is just the excitement all through North Wales of getting ready to host Atletico and trying to get uh, the old Farrah Road round up to the somewhat eccentric uh, desires of UEFA at the time. Uh, the standards were all over the place and basically everybody was chipping in. And a lot of the players themselves, of course, had, you know, part-time jobs and, and things as well. So, you know, you'd have the, I don't know, the right wing that was the plumber was busy trying to get the toilets up to standards and the guys were working on the roof and getting that. Anyway, it all came together. But what I really remember is just the, the energy in North Wales, because yeah. obviously we didn't, we hosted some international games at Wrexham, but really big sporting events in North Wales were, were pretty rare. Um, and just the energy along the whole coast leading up to, you know, having these Titans from Madrid coming over and, and playing at Farrah Road was just, it was just a wonderful few weeks leading up to that. That is a great example. I had no idea what I thought you were going to say there, but I definitely didn't expect you to say that. But that is a that is a great example. Um, I've gone for a few uh, Newcastle ones for me, trying to avoid the obvious Wales ones. Although I do have one memory which I will I will briefly talk about for Wales. the The biggest ones for me for Newcastle were I remember Newcastle lost the first three games of the Champions League when we were uh, first in I think it was two thousand and three. And um, we lost to Juventus, uh, 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 a Ukrainian team, Dynamo Kiev. Oh, this is going well, isn't it? 
um, and Feyenoord. We lost all three of the opening games and we needed to win all three games and hope that results went our way for us to qualify for the next phase. Um, we beat Juventus at home, Andy O'Brien scored a goal and we beat uh, Dynamo Kiev away. Um, so it all came down to away in Feyenoord. And after going 2-0 up, um, starting the game brilliantly, Newcastle, in classic Newcastle fashion, conceded two goals. And um, with the kind of, I thought, this was this was it. We've done all the hard work. The result in the other game was going our way. Um, and, you know, I thought we were going to kind of cock it up. And right at the last moment, Kieran Dyer got sent through on goal has a shot the keeper saves his shot how he's not scored I don't know and from an impossible angle Craig Bellamy has hit the ball has hit the keeper's chest and bounced in and it was like the 89th minute or something and I can just remember watching it in my dad's house and just losing my mind like screaming and I think that was the first moment as a football fan where everything that could possibly have gone my way went my way and that kind of first feeling of absolute euphoria like that last minute winner like all of the things that you needed to happen happened in one go and it was it was absolutely incredible um the other thing that i can always i always like to talk about was um wales playing against finland when yari Littmanen had retired from interna- uh, club football to concentrate on his international career um which is a true story and uh, basically didn't leave the center circle and wales got beaten 2-0 by by a finland team but that was the day that um what watching welsh football kind of became to mean to me in that we'd always kind of gone out in little pockets of us but that was the first day there was a group of us who started to go regularly all together and we were like the, the the game was almost an inconvenience in our day like we started having a few beers in the in the like late morning um you know so I, one more one more drink before we get to the ground so mr gavin fitzjohn goes and orders like a load of rum and cokes for us to neck before we walk to the millennium stadium um i just spent the whole afternoon after the match and into the evening just sat in a little corner of a pub singing songs shouting at each other talking nonsense and that was the first time i think when what it meant to go to a wales match was there for me in in that it was beyond the football it was my little you know people talk about their football family um and and that was one of those for me um the last one which comes to, comes to mind was Newcastle got to the FA Cup semi-final and then latterly the FA Cup final in 1999 and we had to beat Spurs um, in the semi-final and it was on the same day and I want to say as England-Wales in the rugby but I can't remember um, but that was you know a time when everyone you know anytime Wales did anything whether it was football rugby tiddlywinks I wanted to watch it um, and that was the first time I think I had to choose do I choose watching Newcastle or do I choose watching rugby? And that was the day that I think my football fandom properly kicked off because I chose to watch the football and Newcastle won. Alan Shearer scored um, a, a great goal to send us to Wembley. So th- those are the kind of moments that really stick in my mind. Um, we've also wanted to talk about um, non-football sporting events. Uh also were great moments as well what what have you got Ruth well I've been very fortunate I've gone to quite a lot of different different sporting venues over the years you know I've been able to watch tennis at Wimbledon um 
you know, baseball here, both at Fenway Park and in Toronto and, and Wrigley Field in particular is probably my single favourite uh, stadium. Um, I love watching rugby at the rec in Bath. That is that is an experience. If, if people have never, uh, never managed to watch a game there, that's wonderful. Saw so a very young Greg Norman win the Canadian Open probably 35 years ago and loved going to Twickenham for the for the rugby sevens when it when it really was a proper kind of the country hit hit the city for the day kind of outing that was that was always wild um my favorite stadium that I went to with any regularity was probably the old the old national stadium in Cardiff there was something about that horseshoe shape with the with the open end and um, went to one rugby game where um, Alan and I my husband and I we were didn't have tickets um, were going up and down Queen Street you know just trying to get get something as as best we could this couple of French lads came up to us and they spoke no English we barely spoke French and they were offering us tickets and we were desperately trying to work out how much they wanted for them and it turned out they were giving them as a face value, which at the time was four pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and we insisted on giving them a tenner for the two. And they got terribly embarrassed that basically <laughs> we were giving them a tip for the for the tickets. Um, and and had a great a great uh, a great afternoon um, on the on the open terrace there watching watching uh, France. Um, my the most sort of unexpected fun I've had at a sport event was I went to Epsom to watch the derby, and I was a student at the time. And in the spring prior, a friend and I had actually gone to Leopardstown and watched the Irish Championship hurdle as well. His family were were had horses, and um, in Ireland we got in at a student rate. They actually had a a ticket option for students at Leopardstown. So when we got to Epsom, we started arguing with the the ticket guy <laughs> that why could we possibly not have student rate going going to going to the derby? And in the end, I think he just got so fed up of us, he let us in at kids' rate <laughs> to, to go and watch the derby. So it's like, what am I going to do with these two? Um, so this was in 1989. Willie Carson actually won, but I had an each way bet on the horse that came in second, Terramon, and it was 500 to one. It was the long, longest odds, certainly at the time, it was the longest odds in any classic, um, classic horse race. So came away with more money than we went. So felt, <laughs> felt very pleased, very pleased with ourselves after, after that day out. I'm not surprised. The best non-football thing I've, watched in terms of the quality of what I watched um, was actually at Wembley to Wembley to watch football and American football but this was actually a rugby league game so Great Britain were playing Australia and it was when Jonathan Davies was at his height Um, he was an incredible player in both codes I think people forget just what skills he had and what what he what he could do on the field but he basically ran the show um for the for the british team against the australians 
and they came out 8-4. It was an 8-4 win in the end. He scored the try, saved multiple tries, dislocated his shoulder and went off about halfway through the second half and still got man of the match. He was just supreme. He's one of those rare times when you, you actually know you're watching greatness in terms of what's yeah. being delivered yeah. in front of you. Um, so that was probably, that is probably my highlight of something I've watched that was, that was non-football. Those, again, I don't know how I've never heard these stories before. I suppose we, <laughs> we, we do only ever talk about football, to be fair. Um, I think I'm the same as you in that I've been very lucky in what I've been able to watch beyond football. Um, I got tickets in the in the lottery for the last day, uh, well, the weekend, which turned into the Monday of the Ryder Cup uh, when it was in Newport. Um, and that was brilliant because I remember, obviously, for those for those non-golf fans, it had been rain. One of the days had basically been rained off, so everything got bumped, and the Monday became the final day. I think it's the, only the second time it's gone on to the Monday, the last day of the Ryder Cup. Um, and I basically phoned my boss and said, look, mate, I've got tickets to the last day of the Ryder Cup. Find out whatever excuse you want. Don't pay me if you don't want, but I can't not go. I've got a ticket. Um, and to be fair, my boss, who, again, who won't listen to this, was a colossal knob. Um, he did actually say, look, this fine. I can't pay you, but um, just make sure you don't get onto TV or make sure no one else knows. So needless to say, I got caught on stood at the green on the of the first hole of the of the day's play um and i had no idea and uh, was on sky sports at first thing in the morning <laughs> um so after being told not to get caught out i got caught out immediately um but as the day kind of progressed for those again who don't know it came down to one of the last matches if not the last match uh, loads of people formed unbelievable comebacks uh, Ricky Fowler being one of them who I think was four down with four to play and ended up halving his match um, but it came basically came down to Graham McDowell who was playing against Hunter Mahan and he drained an unbelievable putt on the 16th um, and I was watching that. We'd kind of, my friend and I had gone, had kind of found a little perch, almost like halfway up a tree, basically, where we could just about see the 16th green, but we could also see the hole of the 17th, which is a par three. Um, so we kind of, I, we didn't see the ball drop, but we knew the putt had gone in because of the cheer, and everyone was kind of going around, oh my God, this is it, if, if he wins this hole. Um, and he won the hole. Um, Hunter Mayan duffed about three chips. It was uh, absolutely superb, and he uh, he won, and everyone kind of stormed the green, and you know we were in in amongst the mix of Poulter and Montgomery and and all of these other people jumping around. It was just such an unreal experience. I can't explain it, and I know people think going to watch golf is crap, but it's like going to watch golf but on acid like it was like a, it was a football atmosphere it was everyone was drinking and shouting and um it was it was just an amazing day um i've also been lucky to go i've been to wimbledon final same as you uh wimbledon men's final um but and i know this is probably not going to be popular because i know we have a we don't exactly have an affinity with the olympics and team gb uh as welsh football fans but I uh, was a games maker at the 2016 uh, Olympics in London, um, 20, 2012, sorry. Um, 
and it was just an um, unbelievable sporting experience and every day that I wanted to go and see the event I wanted to go and see I got exceptionally lucky um, so on the day of the men's 100 meter final uh, I was working in the bowl and was kind of in the stadium block just behind that lane if, if you like of the track so it or they all just kind of ran away from me if that makes sense it was unbelievable and, and the noise and excitement and everything else was just superb um i was also there on super saturday i wasn't in the in the bowl that day but managed to blag my way in for every event um and it was again just an amazing experience and when mo farrow was racing the noise kind of chasing him around the stadium was just unexplainable um but one of the best ones was I, I managed to get, uh, I was kind of doing like a media protection role, basically stopping people coming in and out of a door where commentators and cameramen and all of this sort of thing would go. And I basically was able to watch the door. And then if I turned around, you just had the whole stadium in front of you, but it was where all the cameras were. So the view that everyone got on TV was the view that I had in the stadium and I remember standing there and some bloke came up with it up to me with a Geordie accent I was just like oh what's going on here you know what are you doing blah 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 I checked his pass and it was uh, Matt Baker who was on Blue Peter and all this other stuff um, and the one show I think he does but um, I just stood with Matt Baker and watched um, the men's 4 by one relay where Usain Bolt obviously won again um, and it was just such a surreal experience to be watching this with this super nice man who was talking to me about football. Obviously, like both, like well, I'm obviously a Newcastle fan who's from the northeast. Um, but then, having watched all of these great sporting moments, you turn around, just like I'm watching this with Matt Baker. It was just so so surreal, and he was the nicest man. Um, it was just an amazing sporting event and a, a great atmosphere, and just a wonderful thing to be part of. Um, and you know, I'm I'm as Welsh as anyone else, and I would class myself as Welsh and Welsh, and definitely not British. But it was hard not to get swept up in the emotion and the and the the feeling of it all on the day. Um, and those ten days of living and working in London and being around it all were amazing. Like every time you went anywhere with your games maker kit on, which I looked awful, but you looked like a purple elf. But it was, um, you'd go into pubs. There was a pub near where I was staying at my mate's flat. And I'd go in and the guy was just like, oh, you've been working at the Olympics. And he just gave me a free beer. Like there was an unbelievable atmosphere um, around it. We got, on, on one of the last shifts, we got talking to, um, I got talking to a guy who um, went to school with uh, Ewan Brownlee, who was the uh, one of the triathletes. And just so happened that, Ewan Brownlee was in um, one of the bars nearby having a drink with his brother. And he was like, oh, do you want to come and meet them? I was just like, yes. So went and like had had a Guinness with uh, with, with Ewan and Johnny Brownlee just like the day after they'd just won gold, gold and silver medals. It was just, it was just from start to finish, just an unbelievable experience and something I will absolutely never forget. I am very jealous that, that I wasn't in the UK for, for that summer. Yeah, um, I mean, I and it is difficult, isn't it? Because I think we're a bit ambivalent to the whole team GB thing. Um, but it 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 doesn't mean that you can't be, you know, proud of your involvement and 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 appreciate appreciate people's performances. I'm very jealous that you've seen Usain Bolt run. I, that that would be on one of my lists. I think I've got to say it was just like for the build up, and I can't explain it. 
the change in volume from having however many people, 80,000 people or whatever, com- being completely silent to in the, you know, the drop of a hat, the firing of a gun, to that all of those 80,000 people screaming at once. I, like, I've got goosebumps thinking about it. It, it. it was so unbelievable. And he was just the ultimate showman. And everyone else looked so nervous and tense. And, everything. and he was just messing around. I seem to remember he, like, was, like, moved. He took his tracksuit off and then moved the basket. And there was, like, a person who was stood behind him um, who was supposed to be keeping his stuff in a basket. And he kept moving the basket and trying to wind this person up. And, like... It was amazing. It was just, it was surreal. And like I say, the, the best bit for me was after the four by one relay, he knelt down on the track and kind of like kissed the track just at the finish line, which was pretty much just where we were stood. And I've got a, I've got a great picture of him kind of doing that, like kneeling down and, and kissing the track. Um, and again, I mean, it's not a great picture by any stretch, but like that is something that will like will live with me forever. That I saw him do that, and in the space of, I don't know, three or four days, I saw him win the one hundred, the two hundred, and the four by one relay. And I think I forget which day it was, but David Rodisha had just broken the eight hundred meters world record as well on one of those days. I forget which, and that was that was a very old world record as well. Something that people would st- thought would stand for a long, long time, and it was, it was just. I can't explain it. Watch, watching Jess Ennis um, doing her kind of lap of honour and picking up the gold medal and everything else, like it was like a genuinely emotional thing. Like because she was the the face of the Olympics, and um, it was yeah, I'm, I'm very 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 lucky, and uh, it was an exceptional exceptional ten days. I really loved it. Well, we said we weren't going to waffle on too long, and I appreciate most of this is me waffling on too long, but this one is now 20 minutes, so I think we'll, we'll stop here and go on to something else. Um, have you got anything else to add? I just wanted to mention ice hockey because it's yeah. become very important to me over here. Um, the the well, When we first moved to the US, that first autumn, we went to all four what you might think of as the big ticket sports here the the baseball the football the hockey and the basketball and the welcome at the hockey was incredible I don't think we would be the hockey fans we are now if we hadn't been taken in by that community who found it highly entertaining that there was two Welsh people in the crowd who <laughs> very obviously knew next to nothing about <laughs> ice hockey which Frank is a relatively simple sport, certainly by North American standards, yeah. is a very simple sport. Um, and they basically, we were talked through the game by the crowd that were round us. And um, their welcome was incredibly important to us, not just settling into hockey, but settling in the US. I think the fact that we found a sporting kind of home over here um, through the hockey was really important to us transitioning to to life in the US. And I think we forget uh, the role that sport can play in in making people welcome in a community. And uh, and I think that's one of the things we have to be mindful of as we as we come out of the current situation is we're all going to feel a bit displaced and a bit strange. And some of us might be stuck in parts of the the country 
that you know aren't home necessarily just yeah. because it's the you know it's where we need to be at the time and uh, and i think we there's a sort of onus on all of us to use what we can to make each other feel welcome and, and and settled and at home and i think sport has a real role in that absolutely no i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more um okay well there you go Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gents. Uh, slightly longer favourite football things uh, from us today, but we'll be back tomorrow with another one. If you want to tell us what your favourite sporting moments are, please get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>